Believe it or not, it is Advent. We are in Advent. Is anyone as shocked as I am? I thought it was the summer still. Find my boots and my winter jacket. I think they, it feels like every year time just goes faster and faster and faster. And you blink and then it's Christmas. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy. So I want to start out today by just telling, sharing a personal story. So does anyone have traditions that they like to do with their family? They can either be Christmas traditions or just fun things you like to do as a family that are kind of unique. Yeah, we all have things like that. In the Bercy house, we like to do what we call hot chocolate tea parties. So these are tea parties, but instead of tea, we use hot chocolate because it just tastes better. So we boil the water, we, we make the hot chocolate, we do whipped cream, we do sprinkles sometimes, we go all out. So obviously the girls really love this. It's fun to, to have a tea party and to, to make it fun. So uh, a few weeks ago we were driving home and Galilee says to me, Daddy, can we, before we uh, like go to bed, can we have a tea party tonight, a hot chocolate tea party? And I made a rookie parent mistake. I said, yeah, for sure. With no quali qualifications to it. I didn't leave myself any door out of it. I said, yeah, for sure, let's do that. And yeah, rookie, that's a parenting 101. Don't make promises like that, that, that you always have to give yourself a door out. So obviously we went home, we had dinner, the girls started playing with toys. Uh, next thing we know, we look at the clock and it's way past the girls' bedtime. It's like two hours past their bedtime. And, and we can usually tell it's past their bedtime because everyone starts to melt down a little bit. They, Aaliyah starts to grab onto my legs and cry for no reason. And Hannah screams because we gave her the wrong color plate and all this kind of stuff, right? So everyone just started melting down and it was chaos. So Julie and I said, okay, it's time for bed. We have to really get upstairs and go to bed. And you know where this is going, right? <laughs> Galilee says, Dad, remember, you said we were going to do a hot chocolate tea party. And I said, oh, why? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? So I went and I boiled the water. I got the teacups out. I had to be faithful to my word as a dad. We all know that as parents that you have to, if you make a promise, we have to be faithful to our word. So it was way bad. Everyone was tired and spilling their hot chocolate. And, but we, we did it because we had to. And then we went to bed. So you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with anything? What does this story have to do with anything? So as pastors, we're kind of trained to take these random stories and turn them theological, right? So that's what, I, that's what I'm doing here. So Galilee was demonstrating what I want to see. What I want to say is Galilee was demonstrating a biblical version of hope. She was demonstrating a biblical kind of hope. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So Galilee's hope was based, it wasn't just random. She didn't just think of the idea and say, oh, this would be cool, Dad. Let's do this. And it wasn't really like optimism where she just said, I, I really hope we do this kind of thing. She heard my word and she believed it. So she put her hope in my word and in my character as a dad. So her hope for that hot chocolate tea party wasn't random. It was a hope that was based on my word and based on 
based on her knowledge of me. She knows as a dad, I do my best to keep my promises. So when I said, yes, we'll have a hot chocolate tea party, that was a strong foundation for her hope because she knows I try to keep my word. So this is the kind of hope that we're called to as Christians. It's not a hope that is just optimism. I, I sometimes don't like the word hope because we use it to just, it, we almost talk about it in the church sometimes as an optimism. Like, I really hope that, that my life's going to get better. I really hope that this is going to happen. Um, but hope is firm. It's something that's, that's way more firm than optimism. Our hope as Christians is also worded in, or rooted in God's word and rooted in his character. It's rooted in our knowledge of him. As we live our, our life close to Jesus, we start to know how he acts. We start to know how he responds to us in our life, how he interacts with us, how he keeps his promises. He keeps his promises better than I do as a, as a dad. He's very, he's very solid in keeping his promises. So this is the biblical kind of hope that I want to talk about this morning, is the hope that's rooted in our rooted in the word of God and our hope that's rooted in our knowledge of God and our experience of his presence. So if you want to turn with me to Psalm 42, we're going to read this passage together and spend a little bit of time on it. Psalm 42. I'll give you a minute to turn there and we'll read it together. So you might, as we're reading this, you might think this is an interesting choice for a hope sermon. It's a little bit more heavy. It's a little bit of a heavy psalm. But as we'll see, it, it is a very strong psalm of hope. So the psalmist writes, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where, when can I go and meet with God? Has that ever been your prayer? That's often my prayer. Lord, my soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for you, Lord. He says, my tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise, among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as all my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
Ooh, that is a powerful psalm. I love, it's just so heartfelt. It's so raw, isn't it? He's just pouring out his heart before the Lord. And, and I love that he even talks to himself in this psalm, if you didn't notice. It's a biblical, biblical uh, um, version of talking to yourself. So it's just so raw. It's so real. He's saying, God, what's going on here? I'm suffering. My body is suffering. My, my, I can't even worship in the temple anymore. I've been removed from the temple and the place where I always go to worship God. And on top of that, my foes are, are ridiculing me and mocking me and saying, you really believe God's going to save you? Look, what he, look where he got you right now. You're, you're suffering. You're in pain. So, so many layers of hurt, so many layers of trauma here. And, but it's still a psalm of hope. That's the shocking part. It's the psalm of hope that he says, still, I will put my hope in God. Like he tells himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So, what I love about this psalm is that it gives us space to be honest with the Lord. It gives us space to be honest with God in our prayers and to say, Lord, I'm, we, I'm suffering. I'm struggling. I don't know about you, but when I come to church, I want everyone to think my life's all good. Everything's all put together. <laughs> don't have any struggles. Everything's all good. We all struggle. We all struggle with things. We all, we all have times when God doesn't respond in the way we want him to. So, um, this psalm and a lot of the psalms give us that freedom to, to be honest with the Lord and hopefully honest with each other that we can say to each other, look, I'm actually really struggling this week. I'm really just not connecting with God. I'm really broken this week. This gives us the space to be honest. Honest even in our, our, our hope that it's, it's not always hope that, oh yeah, things are all going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. No, we can be raw in our emotion as well. And the next thing I want us to notice in this passage is that hope is not based on feelings here. He's really saying, my feelings are not hopeful right now. I'm struggling. God, I feel forgotten by you. But soul, hope in the Lord. Continue to wait on the Lord. Hope in him. I just thought that was really interesting because usually when I think of hope, I think of people that are always smiling, always positive. They always see things as everything's rosy as you look forward, which is not bad. That's awesome. But hope is not always a feeling. Sometimes we feel hopeless. But our hope can, we can still have hope even when we're not feeling hope. We can still choose to say, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust in you, even though I'm not feeling feeling it right now so one other thing I love about this passage and I think it can speak to us today and the one thing I really want to focus on is this thirst for God's presence remember in my my funny illustration that Galilee um, her her hope was rooted in her knowledge of me she knows her dad and she knows when her dad says we're gonna have a hot chocolate tea party that it's, pro it's likely going to happen. In the same way, we have to know our Savior, Jesus. We have to know him in order to have a strong hope in him. 
If we just know about him, just know things about him, we're not really going to have that deep-rooted hope that we would if we really are living in intimate relationship with, with him. So the presence of the Lord, we see this in this passage. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, Lord. My soul thirsts for you. Where can, when can I go and meet with God? When can I go and meet with him? I think one of the, one of the sad things that, that we've done in the church is that we've made it possible to be a Christian without spending time with God. We just say, if you just believe the right things, then you're all good. But God wants us to spend time with him. Jesus came to forgive us and, and open up the door so that we can come back to the presence of the Father, free of guilt. He's forgiven us so that we can enter the, the inner room, which is where God is, and spend time with him. And for some reason, this has been a lost gem. This has been a lost thing in the church that we... We want to learn a lot about God, but we don't want to spend time in his presence. So I want to challenge you today that, and ask you, when was the last time you just spent time with the Lord uninterrupted? Well, it's hard to have uninterrupted time if you have kids or, or stuff going on, but time that you've set aside and said, Lord, I just want to spend time with you. I'm just going to come into your presence I'll worship you, I'll just delight in you, I'll spend time with you, and I don't have an agenda, I just want to spend time with you. And I can promise you, as we do that, the Lord will pour his hope into you. He will pour his love into you. I've had times in prayer, I've had many times in my life where I just felt hopeless, I felt a weight of heaviness, I felt all sorts of things. And when you come to the Lord, you're, it's very surprising how often God encourages us in his presence, that he, he reminds us of things that he, I don't know, there's, I can't even explain it, but, but as you spend time in his presence, he will often up, lift you up, encourage you, and give you his hope. So that, I'm going to say as a pastor and as your pastor, that is probably my biggest heart for all of us is to spend more time with the Lord in his presence. That is my biggest heart for, for you and for myself. And if you want to give me a good Christmas present, call me up one day and say, let's spend some time in prayer together. Let's spend some time in the Lord's presence together. That would be the biggest present you could give me as, your, as a pastor, is to, to come and say, I just want to spend time with the Lord. And I'll open up the sanctuary. I'll come in the middle of the night if you call me and, and say that. I'll come in the middle of the night, I'll open the sanctuary, you can come in here and just sit in the Lord's presence. I'm not just saying that, I really mean that. This is something that's so fundamental to our faith. It's so fundamental to us actually having hope and not just seeing hope as something that's off in the distance. So spending time in the Lord's presence, thirsting for his presence, it's so rare, it's so rare. Um, so if that's something you want to, to grow in, um, again, talk to me. I'll come and open up the sanctuary. We can pray together, spend time in his presence. Uh, seek the Lord with all of our hearts. Kind of went on a, a bit of a rant there. 
<laughs> so, hope comes as we trust in the Word of God and in His character. And it comes as we spend time in His presence. Finally, I want to say that all of our hope is in Jesus. All of our hope is in Jesus. Without Him, there is no hope. He is our hope. As I was saying before, He died and forgave us of our sins so that we can enter into the inner room with God, so that we can have forgiveness, so that we can receive the Holy Spirit and actually communicate with God and commune with God. This is huge. This is huge. So Jesus is the source of all of our hope. If you want to turn with me to 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 9, it's another uh, bit of a longer passage, so I encourage you to turn with me there. On your phones or on your Bibles. So Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor when jesus christ is revealed though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's a lot in that passage. That's a very dense passage. But Peter is showing us that our hope is in Christ. Our hope is fully in him. Um, and this, this is hope for now. It's hope that now God can rescue us from situations. He can deliver us from situations that are happening. And it's also hope for the future that, that one day God's going to restore and make all things right. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more suffering, where there's no more pain, where there's no more sorrow, where we can see God face to face and he will wipe away our tears. So the hope that we are called into is rich. It's, it's all-encompassing. It's not just a future hope. It's a hope for that today in our present world, God can redeem us. He can rescue us. And I think we have to put all of our hope in Christ. No matter what's going on in our life, we have to put all of our eggs in that basket and say, Lord, you are my hope. There's lots of other solutions I could, I could go to, but you are my hope, Lord. I'm hoping in you to be the one to be my savior. So Jesus is our hope. So our hope comes from trusting in God, in his word. It's not optimism. It's as we read through the scriptures and as we meditate on God's promises, 
Um, those are ways that his hope can sink into our soul and we can start to say, Lord, you promised this. This is what I'm going to pray and this is what I'm going to trust. Lord, you promised that you reward those who seek you, so I'm going to seek you, God. You promised that you are a savior and a deliverer, so God, I need your deliverance. I'm going to trust that you are my deliverer. There's all, there's so many promises in the scriptures. There's so many things that God promises us. And if we don't know his word, it's hard to hope in his word. So we really have to let the scriptures sink into our soul, sink into our spirit. And as we do, it will transform us to being more hopeful. And as I said, also, journeying with Jesus personally, having that deep personal relationship with him is so important. Because it moves it from, yeah, God is a savior, to God saved me out of this crazy, sinful situation I was in. He saved me when I was, I was broken, I was, I was stuck in sin, and he actually saved me. It moves it from, God, yeah, God is a healer, to, yeah, that one time God healed me drastically. He transformed my life. Do you see what I'm saying? It moves it from this head knowledge to actually being able to understand and, and know the presence of God. So, so outside of Jesus, there is no hope for the world. And I truly, I truly believe that. I see people trying to fix all sorts of problems and I can just see, no, the transformation of Jesus is the only thing that's going to fix that issue. So let's continue to hope in him. I don't know what you have going on in your life. I know a lot of us have, have difficult things we're journeying through difficult things we're struggling with but as we as we go forward let's together as a church let's let's commit ourselves to waiting on the lord hoping in him to be the solution to whatever we're struggling with